BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. You are listening to the latest Flyers Talk podcast. I am Jordan Hall, and as always, I am joined by the wonderful Brooke Destra. Right now, it's looking like January 1 is still that target date for the NHL of when they want to start the 2020-21 season, but obviously things can change. But currently, the league and the NHLPA, they're starting to, I think, have discussions, according to national reports, uh, about some key dates and when things are going to start going for next season. Obviously a lot to be determined, but it's good to hear discussions are being had. And we're gonna have a lot more discussions on this 2020-21 Flyers team. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And Brooke, very recently on the NBC Sports National website, uh, Adam Gretz had his uh, weekly and latest NHL power rankings where he looks at you know various topics, whether it be players, teams, uh, coaches. And uh, for this week's power rankings, he basically did a power rankings uh, of the NHL going into next season currently as the league stands. Uh, And he had the Flyers outside his top 10. He had them at number 12. Um, I think some people disagree with that. Some people could understand the reasoning behind it. Uh, For those that haven't seen the article, you can check it out on the national website, NBCSports.com. But if you need to know, he had some teams like the Penguins in the top 10, the Hurricanes. Oh, my God. <laughs> the Capitals. Um, he had the Oilers at number 10. And he had the Flyers at number 12 behind the Islanders at 11. It sounds like, Brooke, you are not too happy about that <laughs> ranking of number 12 and the Penguins being ahead of them. Why, why is that? Are you kidding? <laughs> <laughs> wow. I, clearly, I have not seen this list yet. Jordan Hall. Yes. Thank God I didn't. I'm glad you did. That was a very genuine reaction because I hear that Pittsburgh is good. And then the eyes, my eyes roll in the back of my head. I get so annoyed. Um, not saying that Pittsburgh is bad, but they are absolutely going to start falling off next season. Okay. I just don't think that they're going to be, and I don't think it's because they're necessarily falling apart in talent. It's that the Metropolitan Division is getting, like, more talented. Yeah. More, more depth is coming into that division. So, and granted, like, obviously I never want to give the Penguins the benefit of the doubt or any kind of credit because, you know, we're in Philly. But 
when you step away and you kind of look at everything, I'm so irritated. The fact that the Penguins are in the top 10 just blow, it blows my mind. Um, is that your biggest surprise among the top 10? I thought the Oilers being in the top 10, um, obviously we know their talent, but they've been a team that always seems to have that top, that, you know, that top end, uh, top heavy talent. Uh, but then they seem to not be as deep most years and then they, they and they struggle. I just, um, I was a little yeah. surprised the Hurricanes were over the Flyers as well. Did that Would you be you? able to read off the top 10 for me real yeah, fast? Yeah, let's do it. So cool. we got, so this is Adam Gretz on the national website, NBCSports.com. Here was his uh, power rankings. Top 10, the Lightning, Avalanche 2, Golden Knights 3, Bruins 4, Blues 5, Capitals 6, Stars 7, Hurricanes 8, Penguins 9, Oilers 10, Islanders 11, Flyers hmm. 12. So first, First off, the amount of Metropolitan teams that he listed cracks me up because that's basically the, the same way that last season was with yeah. the talent. It's basically five Metropolitan teams were continuously changing rankings in the top ten overall in the league, not even just in the East. Mm -hmm. So that makes sense to me. I do like the Hurricanes. I think they're a great young team. People like them. They're a really fun team to root for. In terms of talent, I mean, listen, Sebastian Ajo is insane. He's incredible. He's only going to get better. I don't think that they're necessarily a big threat for the Flyers. The Capitals are always going to be there. I've said this multiple times until Ovechkin retires he is able to carry a team now that they have Peter Laviolette. I think that there's going to be a new competitive edge. Mm -hmm. Penguins don't make sense to me. Oilers don't make sense to me. Listen, Connor McDavid and Dreisaitl, they're incredible. But you can't win if you do not have talent throughout. Because otherwise, Connor McDavid would have five Stanley Cups by now. <laughs> yeah. Right or wrong. He's in – oh, my gosh. The first time I saw him play live, he's phenomenal. I've never seen such a quick player in the sense of speed and in the sense of just being able to adapt to the current situations. It's, an, it's ridiculous. Um, the next time fans are allowed to go to games and the Oilers are in Philadelphia – everybody has to go because it's just one of those players that you don't fully understand how good of a player he is until you see him live. And I was just, I was ringside with Taryn one time and I was just blown away. It was insane. Yep. Um, do I think that warrants a top 10? No. Um, yes. I understand that Tampa Bay is number one because they just won the cup. I don't think they're going to be number one next year. I think they're going to be a team that might fall off pretty fast. Boston, St. Louis, Dallas, those make sense. Capitals, yeah. cool. Yeah. No. The fact yeah. that the – no. The fact that the Flyers are not in the top ten – I mean, listen, we are underdogs in this city. We thrive off of people not believing in these teams. But eventually – you're going to have to start giving them credit for being a good team. So I'm a little irritated. <laughs> we needed this energy, Brooke. We needed it. I love it. Yeah. I think the Flyers, for me, 
I think what I'm seeing on like the national landscape is they're a team that's really tough for national people to predict. Like I think people really can't get their their fingerprint on this team because it's it's interesting. They finished as a top six club last year in the regular season. Uh, they win the Eastern Conference round robin, go into the Stanley Cup playoffs as the number one overall seed in the East. Uh, but then a lot of people are still kind of sleeping on them. And I somewhat see why, and I somewhat see why people are like you, Brooke, are irritated that they should be higher in Adam Gretz's power rankings. The one, on the one side of the coin, the Flyers have only done it for one season. They had a disastrous year the year before. They did drastically improve, obviously, last season, 2019-20. But they did have a pretty low-key all season, and they lost arguably their most important defenseman in Matt Niskanen and didn't really do a ton to replace his duties. Uh, we knew you couldn't really replace Matt Niskanen with one player. It just wasn't going to happen. So we'll have to see. Time will tell how they replace him by committee and if Justin Braun will be enough in terms of defensive responsibilities and Eric, Eric Gustafsson, if he'll be enough in terms of offensively. But I kind of see why some people can't really figure out the Flyers, what they are. Are they a serious top five, top six contender? Or are they in the 12-14 range? Because they haven't done it a ton yet with this group. They were really struggling before this year. And then they just had a really, really quiet offseason. That's okay. It's okay to have a quiet offseason. But they didn't do anything real loud that makes people think, well, yeah, they're going to go to the next tier. Um, they had a quiet offseason, and they lost Matt Niskanen. I think that's why some people are doubting this team. But do I think they're a top-10 team? I do. But I'm not, I'm not, like, blown away that they're outside of the top-10. I could see some people picking them. I just don't really agree with the Hurricanes and Penguins being over them personally. I think that's, that's my biggest yeah. um, issue is that when it comes to tiered talent in the metropolitan division alone i think they are right up there with washington so the fact that that's the case and when you scale down from the league just to their specific division and you look at the talent they are the top one of the top competitors next to the capitals so when you see teams like the hurricanes and the penguins and again i i do like rooting for the hurricanes they're really fun to watch. I think that they're very they, – they're also underdogs in a different sense because yeah. people don't really expect a lot out of them, and then they always seem to exceed expectations. But in terms of that, I definitely think they fall below the Flyers. And same thing with the Penguins. And also the Oilers. Not the Oilers. The Islanders. My, I'm sorry. Who yeah. ranked number 11. Yes. Because – Yes, while they were knocked out of the, um, the playoffs because of the Islanders, I still think talent-wise, the Flyers are stronger. It's just a very interesting matchup when you have Long Island and you have Philadelphia playing together because they're ver they have very different games. So, I don't know. I see them in the top ten just because certain Metropolitan teams shouldn't be in that. Agreed. And – um, yeah, I think there's going to be, from the national perspective, I think there's going to be some folks who are, who are bullish on the Flyers, really like their team, and I think there's going to be some folks who are going to be like, eh, I need to see more, um, especially just given the relatively subdued offseason, uh, because the Flyers like what they have in-house. They had a sudden – it's kind of a sudden retirement with Matt Niskanen. Uh, they knew, obviously, kind of right after the season, but 
they couldn't really go out and replace him um, just by getting a player the same caliber of him. It just wasn't going to happen. So I think some t- some people are going to say, I, w- I need to see more. But, yeah, Islanders go to the Eastern Conference Final. They're not in the top ten. Flyers um, are the number one seed in the East going into the Stanley Cup playoffs after the round robin, and they're not in the top ten. Uh, I guess we'll see. Off-seasons are always fun to to analyze after – you see some moving and some shaking around in terms of rosters because uh, teams change, but you haven't really seen them. You haven't seen them hit the ice yet. So as we know, the Flyers were doubted pretty heavily going into last year and they went from, they were, yes, they were the 22nd team uh, overall in 2018, 19. They went to the sixth team in the NHL last year points wise. And at one point they led the metropolitan division for like 12 minutes. They did that. They did. So, but anyway, we know the Metro is – yeah, we know the Metro is deep <laughs> this year, and it should be fun to watch, uh, see how things shake out. And, hey, the offseason's still going. Things could still happen. There's still some free agents out there, and trades can still go down. And uh, whenever uh, you blink an eye, you just never know. So we shall see. But it was fun talking about that. Brooke Desher has those flyers in that top ten. I believe they're kind of a top ten team, too. I think they're right around that range. Even if they um, were ten – yeah. They deserve to be a top 10 team. Flyers fans, if you're even looking for this list, and you don't even have to go to the national NBCSports.com website, you can actually go to the Flyers Twitter account because they actually uh, very humorously acknowledged this story by uh, posting a gif of Ivan Provrov with a link to this story. So Incredible. even the Flyers Twitter account uh, did a little troll. They saw it, and uh, I'm sure some, some Flyers players will probably – catch wind of some of these power rankings going into the year. Uh, you can never have enough motivation. <laughs> I just had to pull that up. <laughs> that's funny. I, I, that's not, I, I say we don't spoil for them because it's a, it was a perfect gift choice. Yes. Uh, we know their social media manager. It was a very excellent choice of the gift to go with that tweet. At Nissan, we just made your choice for a new car an easier one than ever with our most exciting and fuel efficient lineup. The choice is yours. Now, get great offers across our full line. Shop at your local Nissan store today at NissanUSA.com. Brooks, speaking of projecting next season, obviously we just did a ton of projection right there with that last segment. We're going to have a little more projection right here. We're going to look at some roles that were played by specific Flyers last season, and we're going to pick one player that we want to see play a pretty drastically different role come next season. Who do, who do we want to see take that big jump or maybe that step back in terms of their responsibilities and the role they played? Brooke, if you had to pick one player to really see that role change, who would it be? So as a whole, I do want the power play to kind of be overhauled. Um, I feel like Provorov's probably going to take point of that top unit um, and hold that fort. But I kind of want to see how Nicholas Albe Kubel could fit into the power play because I just think that he's a player that not a lot of people know his game yet. I think outside of Philly, at least like opponents matching up, I think that he can possibly be a wild card. I think that he would probably start out on the second unit just to see how things would work there. But why not change things up? Because when they're going into training camp, when they're testing things out, they're obviously going to take a look at this because it's just not working. And the Flyers are a very talented 
sneaky creative team. So it doesn't make sense when you have people like, when you have players like Claude Giroux, Sean Couturier, Travis Konechny, Jake Voracek on these top units and it not work. Mm -hmm. So I would like to see Konechny kind of take an additional step forward and also just really dominate it because he can add a level of speed. And I think, like I said, I think Albe Kubel could kind of add a level of sneakiness, which could be, you know, under the radar kind of move. So yeah, give a young, give yeah. a youngster a shot. Yeah, it was it was cool. I, Nicholas Albe Kubel, as we know, uh, got some power play time last year. I believe he had one, maybe two power play goals. Um, I thought that was a really strategic way of the Flyers to say, "Hey, we're going to give you a little taste of the reward of getting some power play time." And then what does it do? It motivates the young player to play at even strength, play his butt off at even strength play his butt off on the penalty kill, uh, really play north-south, go all out uh, whenever you're on the ice because you get some reward and it makes you want to play harder in other situations as well. And I thought it worked out. It really got the best out of Nicholas Kubel. So, yeah, I'm with you. I would like to see him on that power play some more. Um, for me, I'm going to go with a specific player. I would like to see James Reams like, play a much, much bigger role. Um, I just thought he slowly but surely got relegated to a – lower role in the lineup, fewer minutes, and just wasn't really they, – they I just felt like the Flyers and Elaine Vigneault didn't really accentuate his strengths as much as they could. I know they were patient with him when, when he wasn't producing early on and he was still up there on the power play, but um, towards the end of the year and then obviously in the playoffs, the return to play tournament, I just felt like he could have been used a lot better. And I just have a few numbers here. Over the last two seasons – He's second on the Flyers in goals per game with 0.35. He only trailed Sean Gattori in that in that area. Um, and then last season, uh, he played uh, 14.1454 minutes per game. Uh, those were his fewest minutes per game since his second season then in the NHL when he was with the Flyers, and he was a role player. It was 2010-11. He played 14.32 minutes per game. Um, I just don't think he played enough. I don't think he was used in the right ways. Uh, he is a goal scorer. He is a guy that can put the puck in the net. Uh, if, you lo- if you utilize him correctly, I would really like to see him try to accentuate his strengths, get him in good spots, get him scoring goals, get him playing with the right people, and not really bury him in the lineup. I, his game is just not suited to be low in the lineup like that, and I felt like too often he was. So I would really like to see James Van Reems like, play a much, much different role and get back in that 25, 30 goal range. I think he still has the skill. He still has the youthfulness to do that. Yeah, you make a lot of great points. And I feel like we touch on many different aspects of James Van Riemsdyk's game on this podcast, but I do fully believe that last season he was not really utilized the best way for the Flyers. So he's a player that he excels when he's a top six player, he excels mm-hmm. when he's on a line with people who can create this kind of momentum and he can go to his office, get to the crease and finish. He's a finisher. Yep. And I think if there's a way to be able to really just be able to back him up and let him and I think now that they've had a full season, Elaine Vigneault's had a full season to see where he shines and where he excels 
compared to where he kind of disappears, I think plays a big part going into next season as well because they know how they can get it out of him now, and that's being paired with the right people, utilizing his time on the ice properly. And I think it's, it's definitely interesting to see the time on ice because you know that Vigneault doesn't really like to play a game where it's like drastic time differences with lines. So that was an adjustment as a whole this year to kind of see where you didn't really see the fourth line playing like five minutes a game. It was pretty, it was pretty evenly spaced out. And I think that Mm -hmm. that contributed to Van Riemsdyk's cut and time on ice. But yeah, I, I fully agree that you can get so much more out of him and it doesn't matter that, you know, he's a little older now. It's, he has the talent. It is there. You see glimpses of it. I've said it time and time again. If you looked up hot streak in hockey, James Van Riemsdyk's bio would pop up because he's the, he's the clear when he's hot, he's hot. We just need to see it more consistently. So I definitely think that now that he, he's been with Vigneault for a full season, now they're going to be able to utilize him a little more efficiently for sure. And it's interesting too. Don't get me wrong. It's there's two sides to the equation. I think the Flyers can do more to help James Van Riemsdyk, but I also think James Van Riemsdyk can do more to help the Flyers and the coaching staff make their decisions easier. Um, he can absolutely do more. There's he has to take some onus as well. And it's interesting. The year he scored 36 goals with the Maple Leafs, his career high. The year before he hit free agency and signed with the Flyers, he played the exact same minutes per game as he did this past season. The exact wow. same, but. He was in Toronto, and he was probably around some talented guys. I don't know exactly who he played with, but we know who's on that Toronto team. They probably put him in some pretty good spots uh, with some talented guys and allowed him to finish, which is what he does. So it's a little bit of both, a little bit of, you know, more from JVR, but more from the Flyers to kind of put him in spots, like you said, Brooke, to, to do more and show his strengths. Flyers Talk is presented by Wells Fargo. When our communities need us, Wells Fargo is here to help. And Brooke, one more dose of projection for next season. We love talking projections for next year. The Flyers got probably the the best thing they could imagine out of Elaine Vigneault in year one. They really, I'm not sure they could have asked for much more other than probably go farther in the playoffs and win the Stanley Cup. Uh, Elaine Vigneault comes in. um, He creates the biggest turnaround in the NHL last year. Uh, Only four teams increased their point, point totals, Brooke, from last year because of the pandemic. The Flyers were one of those four, and they saw the biggest in- increase. They went from 82 points in 2018-19 to 89 points this year, despite playing 13 fewer games. Jack, uh, Elaine Vigneault was a Jack Adams finalist. He was a runner-up for the award. Snubbed. Snubbed. And Brooke believes he was snubbed. I believe he was, too. I think we can both agree that we thought he should have won it this year, but he did not. But still, incredible things from Elaine Vigneault in year one with the Flyers. Can he exceed what he did in year two? It won't be easy to do, but he's a guy that get, definitely gets more out of teams as he goes, I feel like. Yeah, I think that, like you said, it's going to be very difficult to kind of shock people next season in the sense of how he gets his team to kind of rally and really hold themselves accountable. But I last season, last off season. Elaine Vigneault was the biggest acquisition the Flyers could have ever done because he's a long-term investment. 
-hmm. And to get this kind of production out of him in the first season was incredible. And I think that, I mean, I'm not speaking on behalf of all media, but he is such a joy to be around in at the skate zone, post game, his pregame presser, like because he's honest and he holds players accountable, but he's lighthearted and he knows how to make a room laugh. And I, the martini situation still cracks me up to this day. So I think now that everybody's really comfortable with him in Philly, I think that's going to allow him to be like, okay, I'm here. I know the area. I know the team. I know the players. I know everything expected now. It's only going to help him. And he was snubbed. You, you could put it on my, my tombstone. <laughs> <laughs> he was snubbed because I, I will die on that hill. Because, come on. When you look at the, the – Yeah, you have one of the top teams in the NHL with the perfection line. Congratulations. <laughs> you led some of the top talent in the league. Like, just give the guy a cookie, not the Jack Adams. Oh, my God. <laughs> hey, bro, well, maybe that will motivate A.V. to get that Jack Adams next season. He deserves it. Maybe it's a blessing. And I definitely think that now that the Flyers are on the radar, granted, are they top ten? Apparently not. <laughs> but <laughs> but I only see things getting better after this past season. So I think he should very well if I'm expecting – my expectations are pretty high for the Flyers this year, sure. uh, this upcoming season. So I think talent-wise, I think they're going to up their game. I think they know now that there are eyes on them and people are going to expect more out of Philadelphia's club. I, I'm raising my expectations for Vigneault, too. And they're already high. He exceeded my expectations in his first year. He should be back as a Jack Adams finalist. He should get his team back into the playoffs next year. This is, that's almost the bare minimum, and that's pretty cool to say. Yeah. Where you're, you're expecting it. I didn't know what the heck to expect going into this previous season because of the dumpster fire that was the previous one. Yeah. But now that these are almost the baselines, like we're expecting Vigneault to carry this team to the postseason. Yeah. That's kind of cool. It is. And he's, he's really created probably the most expectations this organization has had probably in a decade. Um, you know, the, the, these are the highest expectations the Flyers have had. And it's going to be interesting to see how they do with expectations. Last year, they didn't have them. New coach – uh, new, <laughs> new they did not have anything. They did not really have expectations. <laughs> a lot of people did not think they were going to make the playoffs. Um, I certainly don't think people thought they would have been in that round robin, those top four teams, um, if we knew the season was going to play out the way it did with the pandemic to begin with. But anyway, um, and it's, 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 a, it's a testament to Lane Yo that, that he is so good in year one in his, in his stops in the NHL because he definitely implements a system that really requires – a full buy-in from everyone top to bottom um, because it's such an effort-based uh, balanced uh, attack oriented system that um, you really need buy-in of across the roster. And you might not always get that. You're, you might come into a new situation and you never know who's going to really 
want to play that style, who might not, and you need everyone to do it. And the fact that he's made the playoffs and won a series uh, at all four of his stops in year one, impressive. I will say it's been pretty interesting for him in year two. With the Canadians, he did not make the playoffs in year two. Uh, And with the Canucks, interestingly, he did not make the playoffs in year two. Then he came back and had four uh, really good years with them. Uh, But with the Rangers, though, he took them to the Stanley Cup in year one. And then the very next season, they were very good. Uh, They had 113 points, 53 wins. So he was pretty good there in year two. Um, I expect more of that Rangers type of season. Maybe not 113 points. Obviously, we don't even know the length of the season right now, um, if it's going to be played in full. But I definitely expect improvement. Uh, I definitely don't expect a step back, uh, which happened in Montreal and Vancouver uh, with Elaine Vigneault. And then he he had better years after that. But uh, I definitely expect improvements because, to me, Brooke, they got the toughest thing out of the way, which was year one, which was everyone getting used to the system, getting used to a new staff, um, everyone getting used to a totally new way of doing things. Um, and they, they, they grasped it pretty early. Uh, it took after October. Once November came around, they were, re- they were starting to hum along. Uh, and then they really clicked in January. So I think they got the toughest thing out of the way. Uh, I think Elaine Vigneault, like you said, I think they're only going to get better with Elaine Vigneault. And that's exciting. Yeah. I think one of the most interesting things, looking back to when the Flyers first announced that he was coming to Philly, was obviously we were all tweeting about it. We were writing about it. And I had a lot of Rangers fans messaging me and tweeting me saying, good luck. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that kind of confused me. Cause I was like, uh, he did some pretty, he was pretty accomplished in New York. And I, a, a lot of the, the concern was he, overplays vets that don't deserve ice time and all of this stuff. And I got hammered with it. Like good luck because he doesn't know how to manage time on ice. Yeah. He, he utilizes veterans and all of this stuff. And I'm like, well, luckily right now the flyers don't really have vets on the team that are bad. <laughs> it's been a while since we've been able to say that. Yeah. Um, and he, he let some of the younger guys – I mean, how many rookies did we have this year? 11, a lot. 11. 11. Yeah. Right. So that right off the bat was shutting down all of those claims. And it wasn't like, okay, this just happened in October, November. It continued. And I feel like there's – he has a very – Vigneault's a, play, a player. Vigneault's a coach that – demands respect and he commands it and it's I don't know it's so interesting he shut down basically all of those claims like okay this is this is the concerns that I've had but he's had success in the past and the best thing when you're in life and I'm gonna get a little a little life oriented right now but it's like if something doesn't (laughs) if something doesn't work the first time or the second time or even the third time he has an opportunity to adjust it now and adjust things that didn't work before in other cities. And I think that's why he found so much success his first season in Philly. And he's only going to grow off of that in year two. So like, 
if you don't succeed, try again. Like it's, it's tale as old as time. So I fully expect Vigneault to come back next season and be like, okay, this didn't work. We're fixing the power play, managing time on ice, bing, bang, boom, we're back in the playoffs. Yeah. That's, thank you, analysis. <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm glad you brought the whole playing younger players thing. I was really confused by that too. I heard the same thing. I heard it the was like kind clockwork. Of, yeah, the same kind of slander and buzz that like he – he really favored vets and didn't play younger players. And I just feel like he quickly got a bad rap in New York. I don't know if that's just because it's the market. Obviously that's the big apple. It's Madison square garden. I get it. But like he missed the playoffs one year there. And that was the year he got fired. Like missing the playoffs one year. Like man, the Flyers missed the playoffs quite a bit over the last seven. Every other year. Every other year. Every other year. And so his first year, he takes them to the Stanley Cup in New York. The next year, they have 113 points. Um, he went to the playoffs four to five years there. And I remember I even did a story on this earlier in the year. I did some research on it. Some of those Rangers teams, like some of their top point-producing guys, some of their top minutes uh, per game guys, they were all younger players. They, they were like in their 24s, 25s. Um, and he even touched on that when we asked him about it. Uh, last season he got pretty animated when we asked him about that he was like you go check the track record look at those rangers teams um and you tell me what you think um and then i really thought he like you said he squashed it i thought a ton this year they played 11 rookies um travis Konechny flourished oscar Lindblom flourished uh before his cancer diagnosis joel farabee played a lot uh vigno totally trusted carter hart <laughs> a 21 year old goalie he played Travis Sanheim a ton. Philip Myers got opportunity. Uh, I just like Rangers fans. What were you watching? Yeah, like they played a, a, like a lot of younger players. Nicholas Obey Kubel was another one who came up and stayed here and got power play time um, as a rookie. I, and then, so I will say this: I think next season he could really put that whole storyline of he doesn't do well with younger players. He could really put that to bed because this year the Flyers are. Going into next season, they're really trusting their youth. Uh, they really didn't go out and get anyone. They're really trusting younger players like Philip Myers to take a big stride. They're going to be trusting some rookies that we know they like, like Lena Sandine, Tanner Lazinski, Wade Allison, Morgan Frost, um, Carson Torinsky. Like just across the board, they have a lot of young players that they're going to be looking to. Uh, and uh, if they take major strides, then hopefully that whole storyline of Elaine Vigneault doesn't do well with younger players Hopefully that can be put to rest. Um, I think he, this is really the opportunity where he can kind of dunk that away. Uh, but we shall see. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Well, Brooke, this was fun. It's fun to project. It's fun to do that in the offseason when we're kind of waiting and seeing for what's next, when the plan's going to be had in place for next year. Um, a lot still to be determined, but we will have plenty more uh, as it is determined, and we're hoping that is soon. But, Brooke Desha, 
Thank you as always. Cannot wait to talk to you next week sometime. And special thank you to Ben Barry, our podcast producer. And Flyers fans, thank you. Thank you for listening. Uh, this is the latest Flyers Talk podcast. Wherever you get your podcast, please rate and subscribe. And we cannot wait to talk to you next time.